Welcome back to another Adam Schefter podcast as we head in to week 14 of the NFL season. And of course, the NFL never stops and never slows down as evidenced by the fact that we had scheduled our first guest of today, ESPN.com writer, the great writer, Seth Wickersham, to discuss his lengthy takeout of the former Colts quarterback, Andrew Luck, one of the most intriguing figures in sports to this day, after he had spent almost six months visiting with him, interviewing him and his wife, and trying to discern why Andrew Luck walked away from the game in the prime of his career and foregoing hundreds of millions of dollars that he could have made from the Indianapolis Colts. And then we'll be joined by the quarterback whisperer, the man that has coached all sorts of starting quarterbacks in the NFL, including Tom Brady, Andrew Luck himself, Drew Brees, and many others, and now has advice for some of the young quarterbacks in the game today. The legendary Tom House will be along to talk about those subjects and more, as well as the quarterback that he sees as the next coming of Patrick Mahomes. And as we were getting Seth Wickersham on to talk about his Andrew Luck article, just about noon today, and this has never happened before. We've had things happen as we're interviewing guests, but little certain situations have broken out, erupted, but nothing like today. Literally, as we were beginning the podcast, I started getting calls that I needed to look into Tennessee, that there was a firing there today. And so I'm getting these calls. They're starting to come in. And literally 10 minutes later, there's the news. John Robinson fired as the Titans general manager. This was the first time in doing this podcast, and I think we've been doing this podcast about five years, that I've ever had to tell a guest, I need to get back to you. We need to stop this interview right now. And it was really an interesting intersection because Seth Wickersham was talking about Andrew Luck telling people at his wife's birthday party at the great restaurant in Indianapolis, Bluebeard's, about his decision to retire more than a week in advance of the news getting out and how that news impacted the night where I was attending the surprise 75th birthday party of my mother-in-law in Piermont, New York, when the news came in that Andrew Luck, remarkably stunningly, was walking away from football. And so Andrew Luck shared the news at a party. I got the news at a party. His party, I guess, was interrupted. I know my party was interrupted. And the podcast today with Seth Wickersham continued to be interrupted with calls about John Robinson's firing as the general manager in Tennessee, which was shocking on another level, considering he's been the GM there for six years. They've never had a losing season. His worst year was nine and seven. And they're in first place now by more than three games. So everybody's wondering what happened to John Robinson. Well, it sounds like the owner did not enjoy not being included in all the decisions that he made. Many general managers keep their owners abreast of everything. And from the sounds of it, it doesn't sound like that may have been the case in Tennessee. And so people are looking for some salacious, nefarious reason why they moved on. And I think it may be something as simple as that, though more calls in that area will be required. And while we put Seth Wickersham on hold, there were more calls coming in about Odell Beckham Jr.'s visit. In Dallas, where all of a sudden Ed Werder reported there are some questions 
about the condition of Odell Beckham's knee. And we were getting calls about Baker Mayfield and the idea that the Rams could claim him, which they did on waivers. And as we now record the back end of this podcast, at about 5 Eastern, Baker Mayfield is on a flight to Los Angeles. The Rams have sent him their playbook to study on the cross-country flight. And they're hoping he learns enough and picks up enough to actually be able to play Thursday night against the Raiders in a Thursday night game. We'll see if he's able to do that. And so when we brought back on Tom House, then the news came out that Jimmy Garoppolo, potentially, if rehab goes well, could be back in seven or eight weeks, and he doesn't need foot surgery. The point of all this is that there's always news in the NFL. It's always busy. But I don't remember a day where we were trying to tape a podcast with two guests where the guests continually were interrupted, where life was interrupted, and it's sort of a glimpse into the way life operates with a job like this. I love my job. Wouldn't trade it for anything else. I'm not capable of doing much else. But it's a reality that your life is constantly interrupted. So allow this to be a shout-out to my family for putting up with me, my producers, Christina Buswell and Sarah Abbott, for putting up with me, because everything always can change in a moment's notice, I guess, like life itself. And all of a sudden, stories can erupt just as you're ready to have a nice conversation with Seth Wickersham or Tom House. But here's how those talks unfolded today, starting with the great ESPN writer and his lengthy piece on Andrew Luck, Seth Wickersham. Hey, everyone. Mr. Wickersham, how you doing? Good. How are you guys? Are you in the ESPN studios today, like bouncing around doing TV all day? I am. Going through the car wash? I am. You look comfortable. That looks like a comfortable hoodie you got. You know what? It's kind of like my travel hoodie. I flew back from Tampa this morning uh-huh. and I threw on the hoodie. You know, I was flying back with some other people who are dressed up a lot nicer than me. But <laughs> this works for me, Seth. <laughs> so I was flying back from Tampa. Your piece posts on ESPN+. Plus. I got the chance to dive in and read all about the time that you spent with Andrew Luck. And I have a lot of questions, but we're going to start with a very basic one. What was your takeaway of your time with Andrew Luck? That the decision that he made to retire, which shocked the sports world and beyond, the, the story that you broke <laughs> famously, um, has enriched his life. It has liberated him in some ways, and it's tortured him, I think, in some ways. And I think that I knew just my gut that when he walked away, it was going to be difficult, not because he was one of those guys who couldn't give the game up. It wasn't like that. It was that when you engineer yourself and hardwire yourself to be that type of driven person and be that good at your craft, um, there's no just leaving it. <laughs> you know, that's how you come to identify yourself. And um, I knew that there would be a lot of process and reckoning in terms of what's left after you dedicate yourself to this job and walk away. And I was expecting him to have some clarity on it. And in fact, he, he doesn't have a lot of clarity. And he said at one point to me, I have the clarity that I don't need more clarity and I'll never have all of the answers as to why he walked away. He doesn't, he didn't walk away and he, he isn't someone who right now feels like, hey, maybe I should come back and play football or I regret walking away. What he asks himself is what that decision reveals about himself. And I think that the answers have been circular 
And it's taken a long time even to just get to the point where he's okay knowing that he doesn't have all the answers. It feels like he was looking for something then. And it feels like from reading your piece, which is great, it's as if he's still looking for something now. It's almost as if he's been in search of something that has been elusive his entire post-college life. Maybe he was like this in college too. I don't know, because he's a very curious, intellectual, brilliant guy. Yeah. He's he's led a scripted life that didn't end up, you know, fulfilling the script. And I, I think that when he was at Stanford um, in college, and even though he was under so much pressure there as the consensus number one pick for two years in a row, the greatest prospect since John Elway, a generational type of talent, I don't think he felt – I think he just generally had fun. I think those were, in a lot of ways, the most fun years he had playing football. When he got to Indianapolis – replacing Peyton Manning and replacing the type of person that Peyton Manning was in the building. I mean, Peyton ran that team and there was an expectation that the next quarterback just should just do it like Peyton did it. I mean, Andrew Luck was 22 years old. (laughs) There was a big learning curve. And I think that while we think about Andrew Luck as a very worldly and limitless guy who could have been all these different things from an architect to a scientist, whatever he wanted, he actually defined himself as a quarterback. You know, he was a junkie. And when he got to the NFL, he knew that to live up to the expectations of himself and of the team in the city, he had to become something that he wasn't exactly comfortable being. Um, Anthony Costanzo, his left tackle, one of his best friends said, you have to believe that you're like God's gift. Otherwise, doubt will, will start to set in. And so he kind of bought into that. And he had a very ruthless and siloed life that even extended down, like how he treated his longtime girlfriend, now his wife, Nicole. And as he told me that to be a quarterback, you can only focus on the task at hand. And it's not the healthiest way to live. And that ends up seeping into other areas of your life. And it seeped into other areas of his life. And when he got hurt, all of those things kind of collided together and there was a reckoning. Nice question. I don't know if I read it in your piece, Seth, or somebody mentioned to me, but is he the biggest what-if athlete that we've ever seen? Like, you wonder about what if he had stayed, what would have happened? Yeah, I mean, maybe him or Bo Jackson, you know, but like, yeah, you know, if he had kept playing football... There was one morning I was in his house and he was making an omelet for his three-year-old daughter, Lucy. And he was taking so much pride in how he was making this little omelet on this little teeny cast iron pan. And I was thinking like, God, think about what he could be doing right now rather than taking so much pride in this omelet. He could be, you know, playing football, entering his 11th season now. He'd probably be playing for a contract worth double the $139 million contract that he signed in 2016. Um, he might have a Super Bowl or two, but I think there would have been a personal cost to that. And I think that he knows that also. And um, so while the what if game, I think would have worked professionally, like he definitely would be, you know, on track for the Hall of Fame, if not a certified Hall of Famer by now, um, the personal cost would have been different. And at the end of the day, I think that drove him to walk away from the game more than just the injury, which would have healed. I've never done this to anybody. Okay, but I'm. I got a text that somebody just got fired. Yeah, so this is gonna get. This is gonna get confirmed. Just bear with me, okay? This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do. You do. We all do. Big, small, and when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had, 
happened in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Adam today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Adam. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore his seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Now that's my life right there. Like literally, it had been out yeah. there. I didn't even know it had been out there. Like, and I was, I got texts. There was someone calling me as I restarted this. I didn't pick it up. I'm texting back and forth. John Robinson got fired. That has never happened to me. Like we've had things happen on podcasts. That's never happened where somebody's gotten fired. I've had to literally say, "Can I get back to finishing this?" After you could ask my producers, Christina, and say, that's never happened, right? So I, so I owe you an and literally after the phone rang. Or after we hung up, my phone rang a dozen people across the league. Like every, what happened? What happened? What happened? What happened? It's one after another. Yeah. It's crazy that that doesn't happen more. Well, it happens some, not like that. I get it. But not while I'm doing the podcast. Like I remember being away on my 10 year wedding anniversary. It was the first time my wife and I had been away. We landed, we were in Nantucket. We got off the plane and John Dorsey got fired as the chief GM, and my phone didn't stop ringing all afternoon. <laughs> the rest of the day, people wanted to know what happened with John Dorsey in Kansas yeah. City. That ruined my 10-year anniversary. That's how I remember these things. So let's get back to Andrew Luck. I noticed that you said you wrote a letter to Andrew in 2019, I believe it was. Where'd you write him? What'd you say? How'd that happen? Like I said, I mean, I think that when you watched him retire, it was just so obvious that there was going to be a lot of after effects to deal with. And so I wrote him a letter just saying, um, you know, basically that I've been around a lot of guys and, you know, what I saw in in your retirement ceremony um, left a lot of unanswered questions for me. And, you know, in terms of what are the real reasons that made you walk away and what's it like now, the first step of your life, having been Andrew Luck. And he wrote me back a really polite letter saying, um, I'd love to talk to you. I don't know when. It might be two years. It might be two months. We stayed in touch over the years. Um, Then COVID hit. We ended up, so we didn't see each other at all in 2020, but 2021, we we saw each other, um, our first meeting. And then, you know, I met him. Uh, I interviewed him seven times this year. Um, a lot of hours spent with him this year. But it was funny. At one point, we were in his kitchen, and he says, you know, you know why you're here, right? And I'm like, no. And he goes, because you ski. And I was like, he had done his research on me, and he knew that, you know, I extreme ski, and so does he. And and that was that was it, I guess. 
Well, the extreme ski bonding. Did you ever go extreme skis? Did you ever go extreme skiing with him? We needed to, you know, we, we, I, I sort of mentioned that we, it might be a good way to do it. I said, I've never interviewed anybody on a chairlift before. It might be a good way to do it. Um, and, you know, maybe we'll in the future. I'm not quite sure. But yeah, it was kind of funny that, that he mentioned that. When you sent him that letter, did you mail it to the Colts complex? Did you have his email oh, address? Yeah, it was his e I sent it directly to his email. I had his email address, so I sent it directly to him. And you got his email without compromise? You had it from somebody who knew his email address sort of thing? Yeah, these things are easier to find than people realize. You know, there's you can do a lot of wonders on public records on Nexus Lexus. <laughs> and got his email, sent him the email, and he responded, and he stayed in touch. Will you now stay in touch with him? I think so. I mean, we've talked about that. You know, it, I think that, like, especially one of the things you get from the story is that this is life for him. And life has a lot of questions that are unanswered and that he is going to continue to try to look for answers within. And, um, you know, I think I'm one of the people that he's talked about it the most with. You know, obviously, I wrote a long story. It easily could have been three or four times as long. I mean, we talked a long time about a lot of those things. And um, I enjoyed, I really enjoyed listening to him process this stuff out loud. His wife, you know, I think she was, Nicole probably appreciated that I was there. There was this one moment where um, they were kind of sheltered in their house. They had just had a newborn kid and COVID hit. So they really had nowhere to go. And they were kind of in their house indefinitely. And Andrew was processing a bunch of this stuff out loud. And Nicole, at one point, is just thinking about how much easier it is to have a newborn on her hands than a retired NFL quarterback. And she says, Andrew, how could anyone talk about themselves so much? <laughs> so I probably like helped her out a little bit because I gave him another another release valve. And she's a television producer. Yeah. So she can just go from Indianapolis, the lake in Indianapolis, to Palo Alto, where he's going to school and transition and do her job from wherever it is that the Lux are living? Yeah, she does a lot of traveling, you know, especially with, she's worked at, at done some stuff with ESPN, a lot of on, lo, on location types of things. And um, so, yeah, I think that her, you know, she's allowed to work remote wherever she is. What kind of TV producer? Like, what are some of the things she, I, I don't know her. The Olympics. Yeah, the Olympics. Like, she's done a lot of, um, a lot of like our college on location programming. Um yeah, you, you know, I think that like when she they met at Stanford and she was a fantastic gymnast at Stanford. And one of the most interesting themes, um, you know, of the story that emerged is how even though they were such good friends and such good as a so good as a couple, she, her patience with him was wearing thin when he was injured because he simply would not communicate with her. And she said, I had no place to contribute because Andrew wouldn't communicate the the code that he had in his body to not talk about injuries was so deep that it even extended to not talking about him with his live-in girlfriend and future wife and she was uniquely equipped to help him through this transition when his shoulder was hurt because she had suffered so many injuries of her own and had so much pressure on her to deliver as an athlete you know her family would send her away to gymnastics camps for years at a time sometimes like they were really counting on her to be an elite gymnast and um i i think that like when when he was away in holland and he was at the depths of whatever despair depression anger pain that he was in um there was one night in 2017 where he he finally just broke he cried 
He confessed, he wailed, he he talked about his feelings in a way that Nicole, who probably knew him better than anybody, didn't even know if he was capable of. And it really kind of began the process of him trying to figure out who Andrew Luck was outside of Andrew Luck, this super the superstar quarterback. You should have made this into a book, Seth. <laughs> could you still like could you still do that? Or you probably used your best stuff, your aim material. Well, I don't know. We'll just see. But yeah. as I was reading. It was there was so much there. I'm thinking this could have been a book like the life of Andrew Luck because he is such an intriguing, captivating, mysterious figure. There's no doubt. And, you know, I think that like he's lived such a unique version of American life being the number one pick and being this generational type of talent. And I think that I don't think that he had like an agenda in sitting down to talk with me, we talked so much that any agenda would have been stripped out by then. But I do think he wanted people to know the side of being a superstar quarterback that people don't realize the pressure, you know, and, and how you have to turn yourself into someone that maybe you aren't, or that it's a part of your personality that you have to really develop where you have to be ruthless and you have to be, demanding to the point where it's not only uncomfortable for your teammates, but it's, it might be uncomfortable for you. And you just don't leave that at the doorstep. That seeps into other areas of your life. Well, it almost seems like he's relieved to be away from football, and he also yeah. misses football. There's no doubt. and I don't. But I don't know if he misses playing football. That's the thing. Is that right. I think that he misses like aspects of it, but does he miss playing? Does he miss being that guy that he wasn't that proud of? Um, you've seen it in your years. I mean, you covered John Elway when he walked away. You know that, like, just because you're not playing football anymore doesn't mean the public doesn't continue to see you as John Elway or as these great players. Well, you, you, say, you of, said in the piece that that that, that quarterbacks are like presidents. They're always yeah. recognized as quarterbacks. And Steve Young on Monday Night Countdown, I don't know if you got to see it last night, did an unbelievable essay about what it's like for a quarterback like a Tom Brady Mm -hmm. who we were about to see on Monday Night Football, walk away from the game. And he said it's like a death. It's like you're dying. It is. And I think that, like, Andrew, you know, experienced that death in his own unique way because he did it not because his body forced him out or because he got too old, but was because I don't like who I am in this role. And I'm over it. And, yeah, pain was a factor. There's no question about it. And he replays those decisions in his mind. But I think he is more proud of himself now in a lot of ways than he was in terms of how he was when he was a player. Well, and I had asked you the other day when we talked about getting you on here, I asked you, could you see a scenario in which one day, because I sure I'm sure that people want to know this, he could return to play in the national football league. Mm -hmm. I asked him that question a gazillion times because I kept waiting for him to say yes, you know, and his answer was consistent. I think that, he misses aspects of playing, but he doesn't miss them enough to trade the things that in his life that he likes right now. And a lot of that is 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 being pain-free, being relatively pain-free. But I think he thinks that he could get his body ready for an NFL season, but I don't know if he could – he doesn't know if he could – if his body would survive one. And I think that that is about as clarifying an answer as you can get. I think he has a hard time looking into the future and seeing his life. Having spent the time with him that you have, what would be your best guess as to what direction his life will now go in the future, Seth? I mean, I think he he thinks very hard about being a high school teacher and a high school football coach. I could see that path. I could see him living somewhere in Colorado where he could ski quite a bit. 
Remember, he he loved skiing so much, he thought about working in ski patrol. You believe that Andrew Luck is a ski patroller at A Basin in Colorado. But I do think that, like, even as a as a player, you notice that, you know, he started his book club. He cared deeply about the American educational system. He is so proud of Stanford and he loves that environment so much. And I think that like um, coaching high school football is something I could see him doing. And also just like being a, you know, an American history teacher or something like that, teaching, teaching high school history. I think that like, he'll probably lean that direction, but who knows? He's such a deep thinker and he thinks so much about so many different things. I wondered if he thought actually too much about his own situation and it's difficult to say that from afar when I'm not going through the mental and physical anguish that he clearly was going through. But sometimes it's better to just kind of ride the wave and not analyze and think about everything when so much was going on. Maybe that's a shallow view on my part, but I was thinking that because he is so thoughtful about so many aspects of the yeah. world, his life, his fam, everything. And you know, I mean, being the one who broke the story of his retirement, how fast that came. And the Colts thought that it arrived really fast and kept asking him to like take more time and reconsider. But I think that he had actually been thinking about it quietly for a long time. He just didn't quite know how to, you know, where the off ramp was. But I think that like his decision to retire definitely arrived quickly, but it had been something that he had been thinking about for a long time. Um, Frank Reich asked, you know, he said like, you shouldn't make a, a decision yeah. that big so quickly. And he said, you know, it has actually been that quickly. It's that I haven't actually told anyone about it. Well, you know, it's interesting to me in reading your piece as well. There are a lot of things that interest me, but he told even more people that he was retiring than I even realized. Yeah. I knew that he had told some, some were in contact with me, obviously, but he had that party at the great restaurant, Bluebeards, which I love eating in. And he uh -huh. told the party there in your piece and he told yeah. players on the team. And even when I was in Indianapolis, Last week, I had a couple of people come up to me on the sideline and say, I was worried that people would think that I was the one who told you that he was retiring when I know he didn't, when I didn't tell my whole family. And more and more people kept coming forward who knew this information. So it's amazing. I don't understand why they were waiting. I don't know what he was waiting for when yeah. so many people knew. And we we're just waiting for the official word from him when I found out that Saturday night. Yeah, I guess he had, you know, an idea in his mind of how he wanted it to go through, but he is chatty. It's kind of funny. They have this, um, Andrew and Nicole have this New Yorker cartoon in their house framed. And um, it's a person who's got their head buried in a book on a park bench. And the, his spouse turns to the a stranger next to him on the bench and says, I handle chatty people for him. And that's Andrew and Nicole. But also Andrew is kind of a closeted extrovert. And he got, that was, a, that was Nicole's birthday party at Bluebeard that he was at. And, uh, you know, he ends up telling everybody kind of um, Nicole laughs at it, but you know, it, it, he turned her birthday party into a preemptive retirement party for him. And there you go. Uh, <laughs> Seth, it's a great job that you did. The work shined through the time you spent with him shined through. I really enjoyed reading it on the flight home from Tampa. I thank you for the time today. And I apologize about the interruptions. And as I told you about a dozen calls came in right after, after resuming our call, the phone is rang 10 more different times with 10 more people with questions about the firing of John Robinson. So thank you for putting up with me and thank you for giving us the time that you did today. Thanks, man. Get back to it. <laughs> There's Seth Wickersham. And in his lengthy story, which I highly recommend reading on ESPN Plus, there is some information about Andrew Luck spending time with his 
former quarterback advisor, consultant, quarterback coach, Tom House. Now, Tom House has worked with close to every single starting quarterback in the National Football League. And that's after he was once a pitcher in Major League Baseball. And he's launched a company called Mustard that is supposed to change the game in sports by making world-class coaching accessible to athletes of all ages through their smartphones. Of course, very 2022. And one of Tom House's investors includes Drew Brees, who's going to be offering counsel. He's got Nolan Ryan, Mia Hamm, offering all sorts of tips on his mustard app. Tom House is actually a legend on his own. And fortunately, he was kind enough to share some of his insights into Tom Brady, one of his pupils, Andrew Luck, another of his pupils, the quarterback that he thinks has a tremendous chance to shine in the college game and his new mustard app, the great Tom House. I don't think we've ever met, and I'm trying to think if we've spoken. I think I've spoken to you, but I'm trying to remember when, and I don't remember exactly. Maybe we haven't. I don't think we've ever communicated or met in person. So I've been an admirer from afar, but uh, I do not remember us ever connecting. That is my loss, Tom. And you know what? (laughs) I've always wanted to connect with you. Always. Here we are. You know, God delays, he doesn't deny. We'll figure it out. And and there are a lot of reasons I wanted to bring you on today. Right before you, we had a guest by the name of Seth Wickersham, an ESPN writer who did a tremendous profile on Andrew Luck, who I know you know and have worked with well. And I want to ask you about that. I know you've worked with Tom Brady. I want to ask you about him. And I want to ask you about your new company, Mustard, as well. So let's start, though, with Tom Brady and what he did Monday night and where he's at in his career being a 45-year-old quarterback Knowing him the way you do, are you surprised? And how long is he going to continue to do this? Well, all three of those questions tied into one question. We're really good. Uh, How long can Tom play? Probably as long as he wants to. Um, He's still very productive. The background on that, we learned early on that uh, for some of these elite athletes, these Hall of Fame guys, there's no reason they can't do at age 45 what they did at age 25 if they play by the rules. And the rules, obviously, you have to make some pretty heavy sacrifices to be able to prepare, compete, recover, to do it consistently day in and day out. And he made that commitment. I think I first started working with Tom about 14 years ago and first trip into Foxborough. Uh, we were walking by Belichick's office, and Belichick said, hey, Tom, get in here. And I'm going, oh, my God, because uh, the reputation of Bill and whatever. But we sat down, and Bill looked me in the face and said, tell me why I shouldn't trade uh, Tom Brady when he's 32, 33 years old. And I said, well, our research shows that He can still be productive into his 40s. We proved it with Nolan Ryan. And I believe based on what our research shows, uh, Tom Brady can do the same thing. So that was the beginning. And now you're still looking at what is the ongoing story of Tom Brady being productive. Let's go on to another quarterback you've worked with. And you've worked with, correct me if I'm wrong, 22 of the current 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Is that right, Tom? 
we probably now I have to give credit where credit is due. Yeah. Um, I have probably had hands on or through 3DQB, the company that Adam Dato and uh, John Beck are actually running and yeah. buying me out of it. We probably have touched 28 of the top 32 quarterbacks in the NFL and a lot of their backups and quite a few of the collegiate prospects. So in your mind, knowing that, who is the next great quarterback coming out of the college ranks in Tom House's opinion? Wow, you're putting some pressure on me here. Um, this quarterback class isn't quite as deep as some of the past classes. I really, and it's not just because I went to USC yep. way back when, but I really think the kid that's the quarterback at SC right now is the second coming of Pat Mahomes. I think he's got, uh, he's got everything that Mahomes does and the benefit of being able to stand on Mahomes' shoulders, uh, showing that you don't have to be a traditional drop back QB or a running you know, QB. You can be a combination of all of the above. Wait, so Caleb Williams is the second coming of Patrick Mahomes in your mind? Yes. If you'll notice, nobody ever squares him up. He's an accurate passer. He makes good decisions under pressure. And he's 6'2", 220, I think, 215. He's a dude. He oh, he's impressive, right? You can yeah. just see certain guys play right away and know they have it. Now, now, a guy that also had that type of expectation, that type of potential, was Andrew Luck, who you worked with, and my colleague Seth Wickersham wrote about when you look back at Andrew Luck and everything he went through and where he's at in life today and your work with him, what comes to your mind? Well, first of all, let me preface this whole thing. Andrew Luck is the smartest athlete I've ever worked with in any sport in my life. Um, he was the kind of guy that could finish your sentences before you knew what you were going to say. Um, he could process information faster than anybody I've ever been around. Um, he was so smart that sometimes it was a little awkward being around him. But his teammates loved him. He was 100% committed, being the best that he could possibly be every day. I got him after he'd been hurt and had a bad surgery and a bad rehab. And in effect, he couldn't roll a ball 25 yards without pain. So what we did, we took it all the way back to like he was a 12-year-old. And we redid his nervous system, redid his functional strength. And through not just me, but with the other people involved with the conditioning and the backing of the Colts, uh, we kind of rebuilt his body to catch him up to where his brain was experience-wise. And I don't know if you remember those days. I think you, even you said it, that he's been working all summer with Coach House, but he hasn't thrown a football yet. He's training and patterning with baseballs and tennis rackets yeah, and weighted yeah. balls. And he literally, he did not touch a football until the August camp. And we knew early on that when he did throw the football, he'd probably be able to pop a 50-yarder 50, 50 
pop a dime at 50 yards, no problem at all. And what he ended up proving was that you don't have to foot, throw a football to train. You can train to throw a football. And we learned, I think he learned as much from us as we learned from him. So let's talk about the new app that you have, the new company you have, Mustard. What can you tell people about this that should make them want to use it? Tell me if I have it correctly. It's an app where people can kind of go on there to improve their quarterback mechanics, right? So if you're a young quarterback, you'd want this app. Is that correct, Tom? You got it. You got it. Perfect. And I'll, I'll use the words that I've learned from the smart people that are helping with Mustard. We, as a company, are trying to democratize um, what the elite athletes get and put it in the hands of a mom and a dad of a 12 or a 10-year-old kid for free so that they can evaluate their movement efficiencies Mm -hmm. and come up with the, the drills to literally help their skills throwing and the physical preparation to support the throwing totals. So right now in the world, there's like 120 million pre-adolescent athletes out there, of which 80% are going to quit before age 14. What our mission statement is with Mustard is to keep these kids playing through high school by giving them access to what amounts to be emotion analysis that mom and dad can, can capture on a cell phone send to the cloud and come back with an evaluation of their delivery, how efficient their motion is, tell them how to fix and what drills to sustain it, and then project to be able to handle competition and workloads. So it affects, it's given everything that a, a, a big league athlete or an NFL athlete would get and accessing it to a family of a, a little leaguer and hopefully creating what we call ignition well, where not only are they going to love to play the game, but they're going to be able to do it uh, and be healthy with some of the best instruction from the best quarterback evaluations in the world. And it's free? It's a free app. Uh, I'm not the business side of the equation, but the free app down the line, if they want more content, yeah, and literally more drills for skills or whatever, there's a, a, a sign-up where you can access all that. But the initial go-around is to make sure that mom and dad and athlete, especially the young athlete, get the same information and instruction that the big boys do. And the Mustard app is now available to be downloaded? There's a football wait list. And if you went to teammustard.com, um, you get on that wait list, and it's a beta test. It's working inside our system right now. And you can actually get a head start. Um, it's going to be, I think, after the first of the year, it will be open to the general public. But right now, uh, it's kind of a closed group. And the research is its awesome. It might be, I think it's a better app relative to quarterbacks than the app we're doing with pitching. It's an easier understood app. Obviously, the the more you capture, the better you get at what you're doing. Um, I was excited about the football side of this equation as I am about the baseball side. Well, I'm excited to get the chance to finally talk to the great Tom House today. 
And I hope that we get the chance to keep talking here. I enjoyed it. I'll tell you what, anytime I'll hang out with you. And, and again, you, you've met Rocky. Anytime you, you want to put us on or anytime yeah. we can help, yeah. just let us know. Okay. Well, I don't I don't throw a, a football very well. I don't know how to quarterback, but I've covered quarterbacks for 33 years, Tom. Well, and again, guilt by association is how it works. We could actually put you on the app and help your throwing mechanics too. <laughs> I'm sure we don't need to do that, but I thank you for that. Okay, great. <laughs> and there is Tom House, who we appreciate having on and sharing some of his time. I cannot believe that I never spoke to Tom House until now. That's amazing to me. And he was kind enough to share his phone number, which I had in my phone anyway, but I just never have called him. And I, I will be calling the great Tom House in the future. All right, so on to week 14. We've got some great matchups. The Jets are going back to Buffalo to play the Bills with Mike White. They need Mike White to play the way that Zach Wilson did and better when the Jets beat the Bills at home in week 9, 20-17. And they haven't won two straight games against Buffalo since sweeping them in the 2016 season a long time ago. Other great matchups this weekend, the Eagles and Giants. The Giants won two straight home games against the Eagles, but Jalen Hurts is now on an MVP pace. Him and Patrick Mahomes vying for that award, and the Eagles are 5-0 and on the road this season. They've won seven straight road games in the regular season, dating back to last year, their longest road win streak since nine straight in 2003-4. and That tells you how good this Philadelphia Eagles team is. Keeping with division matchups, Baltimore versus Pittsburgh. It looks like it'll be Kenny Pickett versus Tyler Huntley. Lamar Jackson's got that PCL injury. I think he's going to be sidelined at least this week, very possibly longer. And until he's back, Tyler Huntley will have to hold it down for Baltimore and lead them on their playoff run. So we'll see how that goes. How about that? The Chiefs and Broncos on Sunday afternoon. It's supposed to be Sunday night. Tells you what the network thinks of the Broncos. The network doesn't want to see Denver. To take Patrick Mahomes at a prime time on Sunday night says an awful lot about how the network feels about the Denver Broncos, and it doesn't want to see them. I love the matchup of Tom Brady versus Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy's first NFL start. Rookie seventh-round pick. Mr. Irrelevant himself, who now looms very relevant over this NFL season. To me, that's the most intriguing matchup of the week, of the week 14. Although, Dolphins-Chargers, Sunday night, also very good, with Tua Tango-Vailoa going up against Justin Herbert. The two quarterbacks who were the fifth and sixth overall picks in the 2020 draft squaring off in a big game. Chargers have to have it if they have any hopes of playing in the postseason before we go to Arizona on Monday night to wrap up week 14. New England at Arizona, the Patriots' first trip to Arizona since the 2016 season opener when one Jimmy Garoppolo started in place of the suspended Tom Brady. And the Patriots won 23-21. Keep in mind, the Patriots played two Super Bowls at State Farm Stadium. And they lost to the Giants in the Super Bowl there. And they beat the Seahawks in the Super Bowl there when Malcolm Butler made that tremendous pick of Russell Wilson in that game. New England back to Arizona Monday night. All right, before we end today's episode, I want to tell you to go check out First Take, Her Take, hosted by Charlie Arnold, Kimberly Martin, and L. Duncan. These three ladies give you their insights and opinions on all the hottest stories in sports. And this week, they talk about Seth's article and Andrew Luck's interesting career path. Plus, they discuss a crazy workplace scandal. So this is an episode you won't want to miss. Listen wherever you're listening to this podcast. All right, I want to thank our guest today, Seth Wickersham, who literally got interrupted repeatedly 
thanks to the comings and goings and the news of the National Football League and its relentless news cycle. I want to thank Tom House, the legendary pitcher and quarterback coach, who was kind enough to give us some of his time, my great producers, Christina Buswell and Sarah Abbott, and you, the listener, for tuning in to another Adam Schefter podcast. Please join us again next week when we will be joined by the Chicago Bears linebackers coach, Dave Borgazzi, and his brother, the Kansas City Chiefs assistant general manager, Mike Borgazzi, as the Borgazzi brothers share some time with us as the season marches on. Until then, have a great week, everybody. Be well and stay safe.